someone said living with the saints above. Won't that be glory? And this is not about none of y'all. Look at somebody and say, it ain't about us. All right, so just to clarify that. Living with the saints above, won't that be glory? Living with the saints below. Now that's another story. Amen. Sheep are passive, but they bite. Anyway, just moving right along. Amen. There's always been a challenge because you're dealing with people at all different levels of spiritual development. And some of them are babies. Some people grow old, but they never grew up. How many know that it's not how long you've been on the road when it comes to your spiritual progress. It's how far you've traveled on the road that makes the difference. I know people that have been in church for 30 years, and they're still babes. Easily offended. Quit you at the drop of a hat. Can't weather a storm. uh, Carry their feelings on their sleeves. Uh, It's just incredible. and That's the challenge. The man of God must not strive, just become argumentative and, and, you know, but he must be patient, instructing those. And this is where it's hard to have patience. My standing prayer is, Lord, give me patience and hurry because I need it bad right now. That's not how you get it, by the way. You get it by enduring the trials. It, it develops you in patience. So, <laughs> but, I've, but must be patient instructing those that oppose themselves. So many people are blaming the devil for stuff their, their own immaturity and their own foolishness is creating in their life. And I can tell you, if you're blaming the devil for your defeat right now, you need to grow up. Because if you ever submit yourself truly unto God and resist Him, don't just resist Him because you went to a faith spiritual warfare seminar. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. You get truly right with God, truly real with God. Become an authentic follower of Jesus Christ and then resist Him. And what's going to happen? And He will flee, not until you're submitted to God. He won't flee because you know all those scriptures and you put on your armor and you can't stand on and, and resist Him and you yourself not be submitted to God. So it starts with the Lordship of Jesus, not your spiritual authority, because until He's Lord, you have no authority. You have to be under His authority to have authority. Remember the man that came to Jesus? And he, he was, uh, he, he was in, in, in the military of Rome. He had fought those battles. He had shed b- the blood of Rome's enemies. And he had a servant that he loved like a son. And he came to Jesus and said, My, my son, my servant whom I love like a son is sick. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. He saw the sincerity of that man. And the faith of that man. He said, I will come and heal him. And listen to what the centurion said. Centurion means he was a captain over 100 men. They said, yes, sir, and no, sir, to 100 men. He had that authority given him by Rome in the military. And he knew something about the kingdom that even those apostles and disciples had not learned yet. And he said, I am not worthy 
because he had shed blood in the military in behalf of Rome. He said, I am not worthy that you, being a holy man, should come under my roof. But speak the word right where you are. Only speak the word. You have the power and the authority to speak it without even coming and touching him. And it will be done. He said, because I am a man under authority. And I tell men, centurion, a hundred of them, I tell them to go and they go. And I tell them to come and they come. And the reason I have authority is because I'm under authority. It's been delegated to me and granted to me. Too many Christians that are not under the authority of Jesus and the Word of God are trying to overcome the devil in their life. They're trying to see miracles and see God move in their life. You've got to be under authority to have authority. Amen. Jesus was a man under authority. He said, you're just like me in the spiritual sense. You're under God's authority. Though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God. He was the second person of the Godhead. Yet he humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant and was obedient. Everybody say under authority. And was obedient even unto the death of the cross. Therefore, because he was under authority, listen how this works. Therefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that is named. Therefore, because, amen, he humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant and was obedient. Everybody say under authority. Glory to God. Therefore, God hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name that is named of things in heaven and earth and beneath the earth, that at the sound of his name, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. He holds all authority in heaven and earth and in hell. Can you say, man, there's another angel that doubts it and there's not a devil that doubts it to the glory of God what did Jesus say under authority the words I speak are not my words but the reason they hold such force and power is because I hear it's only what I hear my father say and the works I do are not my works but only what I see my father do what he has authorized I am doing what he has told me to say, that's exactly what I'm saying. No more, no less. The centurion said, you are a man under authority. And you don't even have to come to my house because you have such authority. Amen. All you have to do is speak the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Jesus said, go thy way. It's done. Your faith has, has allowed it. And then he said something extraordinary. This is faith with an understanding of how authority works. I have not found faith like this in all of Israel. Can you say, man, faith based on an understanding of who I am and the authority I have, and it's because I'm under God's authority. It doesn't start with a 
with a spiritual bravado being so strident because we've been to a, 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 a spiritual warfare seminar. I see people come out of, out of those meetings. I'm going to take on the devil. I'm going to take on the devil. We had a lady like that that went to church where we went to church. There was a lady came to church and said, My husband told all the things he was doing, all the things that indicated he was demon-possessed. Amen. And she said, He needs deliverance. Well, you know, the Bible said lay hands suddenly on no man. Don't just jump out there. Remember the seven sons of Sceva, a Jew? They saw Paul cast out devils, and they decided it, could, it would be a profitable business. There's so many demon-possessed people. Today we send them to psychologists and psychiatrists, and, and there's some of them that have a spiritual issue and they can't deal with it. We fill our church staffs today with Christian psychology. And that's fine as long as the person knows their authority in Jesus and the power of his name. Because if you can't deal with the devil in somebody, no psychology, amen, even the word of God and all the principles in Proverbs, it's not going to help if a demon is in somebody until you get the demon out of the person. And Jesus did say, amen, when he sent his disciples out, in my name, you will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And it's hard to find this in Pentecostal churches anymore. Can you say amen? Amen. Anointing oil. If there are any sick, let them call the elders. Let them anoint them with oil. I was so glad at your mama's memorial service to look over on the table and see a bottle of this. And I said, I feel right at home. Hallelujah. Somebody must be praying for the sick around here. Somebody believes James 5.14 is just as authoritative as John 3.16 because the same God, amen, inspired it to be written. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So anyway, to make a long story short, this lady jumped up and said, and, and she got another lady to go with her, you know, back up. And you... <laughs> Sometimes you need to call for backup. And she just made sure she had backup already. And she said, we're going to come over there and cast that devil out of him. Well, you know, you've got to have the cooperation of the person. They've got to want to be free. God's not going to override their will. So they went over. This is a plant city, old screen door on the house, old wooden front porch years and years ago. <laughs> they went over. He was half drunk, laying in the bed asleep. And this lady run in there because she's got authority, see. She didn't see the father do it, didn't have an authorization from God to do it. She's just going to do it because the lady wanted some peace in her life. And uh, so anyway, she ran over and grabbed a hold of him and commanded the devil to come out of him. Well, the devil didn't come out of him, but he rose up in him. Amen. And he roared out of that bed. And, you know, when, when there was a real manifestation of that demonic force that was driving him, <laughs> she turned around. She beat the lady that went with her out of the screen door. That she, she hit it so hard it slammed against the house. She ran down the front steps saying, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. That's an actual story that we heard when we first got saved. Spiritual authority is not just something you get because of your faith. It's because of your surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? It, it starts with humility. Not putting your chest out and saying, hey, look how mighty I am. Remember the disciples started that? 
They went out in His name, began to cast out devils. Amen. They came back rejoicing. Demons are subject to us. Demons are subject to us. And what did Jesus do? He said, rejoice not because demons are subject to you, but rejoice rather because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Can you say amen? The reason that, the reason that my name... The reason that my name holds such power and authority over the demonic world is because you have humbled yourself and confessed your sins and received the gift of salvation. And without you humbling yourself and confessing your sin, there is no authority. But when you come under my authority and I become your Lord and Savior, then my name is able to release the power and authority of it. So if you're going to rejoice, don't rejoice because of your power, but because of the reason you have that power. And it's because you have bowed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm a man under authority. I tell men to go and they go. And I tell them to come and they come. Jesus said, go thy way. Thy faith has made your servant whole. Listen, I have not found faith. Like this, faith with an understanding of how that authority works in all of Israel. Amen. When you go to a a seminar on your authority as a believer, make sure it begins with humbling yourself to his authority. Can you say it doesn't start with your faith and the release of it. It starts with God and his will and purpose for your life. Amen. Everybody say, bump, 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 bump. What is, the, what is the commercial? Somebody remembers it. I know you watch TV. I do too. What's the guy? What? Farmers. Does anybody know the ditty? Give it to me. Do you, do you know that ditty that they play on that commercial? Da, da, da. You know a thing or two because we've seen a thing. That's it. There you go. I'm going to tell you something about pastoring for almost 44 years. 44 years in January. I know a thing or two, not just because I'm a student of Scripture, but because I've lived with the saints and I've seen what works. And don't, I've read the books. I've read so many books. People have handed me books. Read this book and, oh, your church will just soar. You'll be a mega church pastor overnight if you just read my book on how to do it. Amen. And I thought, oh, Lord, here's another person who thinks anyway, just gets crazy. Listen, I've lived long enough to know what works and what doesn't work. How to rightfully divide the word of God and apply it to your life and not pull a scripture out of context. Amen. And try to use that scripture because the devil loves that because he can trip you up. He can deceive you. He is a master of misusing and abusing scripture. He tried it on Jesus, but he couldn't do it. And if we get down in the Bible and get the Bible down in us, he won't be able to hoodwink us or hunswoggle us either. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God is so good. We've seen a few. We've, we know a few things because we've seen a few things. We've seen prophets. I've seen apostles that were, the Bible said they're all over the place. First generation of believers What God commended Ephesus for was thou hast tried them that say they are apostles and are not and found them to be liars. That means just because someone declares something don't mean that it's true. We're supposed to be people that can check it out. 
and Pentecostals historically have been gullible because we haven't been gospel-centered or Bible-centered people. We have been gift and feeling-centered people. And you can't overcome a deceiver that uses lies and half-truths to deceive unless you know the truth. I went in when I was bivocational for 12 years out of the 44 years. I went to work one day, walked in the break room, and they were already having some discussion about something, and, and uh, someone hollered out, Rev, didn't the Bible say that the truth would set you free? I said, no, it did not. It's amazing when you quote it like it's written. Instead of just like people have been saying it for years, put it in context instead of just dragging it out there. No, the Bible didn't say the truth would set you free. Stand in, standalone scripture, nothing preceding it. The Bible didn't say, my God shall supply all of your need as a standalone scripture. There's something written before that that qualifies that so you can claim that. There's a spiritual law in operation, so you can claim that. Philippians 4.19 comes after Philippians 4. What comes after before 19? What's he saying in 16, 17, and 18? He's saying because you've took the spoiling of your own goods, you've given sacrificially to help other people. See, give and it shall be given unto you. If they were not giving, you can't claim that scripture without that spiritual law being operate you get that today pull out oh i hear it i hear the misuse and abuse of scripture no wonder people are so easily deceived by the devil they don't really know in context what god has said in his word didn't it say that the truth will set you free i said no here's what it said two verses one verse above it qualifies that verse if you continue In my word, you shall know the truth. And I'm not just talking about a revelation, but a realization. Not just what you know in your head, but what you apply to your life. And the truth will make you free. If you continue in my word. There are people that will spend hours in a line to get a prophecy. They'll spend money to have someone send them a prophecy from television. Lady sent my dad a, a little pebble that you put in the bottom of an aquarium. Free. Called it one of David's stones. And I don't know, boy. And you got 3,000 of them being mailed out on Monday. So he got his little stone and a little piece of a prophecy. And dad's a little slow to catch on to these things. I catch on right up front. The Bible spoke of people coming to make merchandise out of you. They see dollar signs. They don't see your soul and they don't care about it. So he has this little thing and there's a piece of a prophecy. Mr. Venable, God has shown me something that is going to occur in your life. And it's going to be good, Mr. Robert. It's going to be so good. And and if you will send a gift of 
$10. Wait a minute. Now, first it was free. Now it's costing 10 bucks. And now a prophet is selling a gift of God. There's a guy tried to do that, to take money, to prophesy against Israel. And those prophets are around today that that are false prophets. He was a real prophet, but he, he because when he tried to prophesy against Israel, only blessing would come out. So Dad read that, and he was a little bit, you know, he didn't call me or anything yet, but he, he was a little bit leery because it's going to cost him 10 bucks to get the rest of it. But he said, you know, it's an offering to the ministry, and, and the lady's awfully pretty. He didn't say that, but I know my daddy. It helps when you're pretty, even if you're a man. Amen? You saw us online when we were young and pretty. Remember? You remember that? She, she said it. said, y'all were so pretty. I thought, yeah, we were, weren't we? When we were 30 years old. <laughs> 40 years ago and counting. Hallelujah. Thank you for the compliment, by the way. We appreciate it. That's why we put our old pictures on there. (laughs) Or why Pamela does. Okay, he sends in the $10. He gets another portion of prophecy right up to the cliffhanger. And then the hook, see, is already in. Somebody reeling in the fish. And listen, only, and I'm going to say that only, Only Pentecostals fall for it. Because we don't have a Sunday school plant. We don't put an emphasis. Listen, the Sunday school plant in most churches is bigger than the sanctuary. It's bigger than the sanctuary. To accommodate the people coming for Bible study. I held a pastor's Bible study. A grand total of 8 to 12 showed up every Sunday. At the Holy Church of God. Morning service, people sitting in the balcony, over 120 came. Evening service, because there were people falling under the power of God, getting the word of God, but it was under a preaching anointing, not the teaching anointing. And that's the problem in Pentecostalism, is that we are not real scholars of scripture as we should be or we would recognize these things up front a flag would go up something would say this isn't right this is no real prophetess this is no real prophet or apostle they had to check people out and when they did christ commended them for doing it thou hast tried them that say they are apostles and are not and found them to be liars How did they do it? How do you do that? You've got to have a foundation in the Word of God. And you've got to go with God no matter how persuasive that person is or their personality. Let God be true. And every man, this man, you, and everybody else become the liar if it conflicts with God's Word. But you can't check it unless you know the Word of God. And the devil wants to keep you out of the Bible and in a line to get a word rather than to know the word and get the word in you. And there are times when God will give you a word through someone. There are people anointed that can give you a word from the Lord, but that's not the primary way we're to receive from God. 
If we could get people in a Bible study and they could get excited over the Word of God. Listen, this man had an insight. This centurion had an insight into how spiritual authority really works. And it brought a faith so strong and mighty that Jesus said there's nobody in all of Israel. None of these covenant people see it and understand it and can apply it like this man just did. Because if you don't understand that your authority is based solely, beginning and foundationally and fundamentally with just how much authority God has in your life. Submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil from that standpoint of submission. And he will what? He will what? Because he has no choice. Because God is for you. And the Bible said if God be for you, who can be against you? So the issue isn't who's against you. The issue is can God truly defend you? Is he truly for you? Can you say amen? Look at somebody and say, we can't blame the devil for our defeat anymore. Amen? We can't. Because if we do, it means that even with God for you, and God in you, and the Holy Spirit in you, and Christ in you, that the devil can still overcome you. No, he overcomes us because we're not authentically, truly committed to the Lordship of Jesus. Because you can't have the leadership of the Holy Spirit without the Lordship of Jesus. You you can't release spiritual authority and power until you're under His authority. And that's how Jesus operated. Not as God, but a man filled with the Holy Ghost. Even though He was God incarnate. He didn't use His deity Or he could never say, as the Father sent me, so send I you. And how did the Father send him? The book of Acts said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Is that anointing available to anybody else? Was it unique to Jesus or is it available to anybody else? What Did they receive anything less on the day of Pentecost? Amen. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. As the Father sent me, he said, so send I thee. Glory to God. Listen, if God wants something done, and you are in that place in him under his authority, mighty things can occur. You can say to a mountain, be thou removed. And God's going to back it up with his Holy Spirit. And the mountain will obey what you say because he said it first. You're under his authority. So first you talk to God about the mountain. To get his will. But if you're really surrendered, then you can find his will. One man quit teaching Sunday school because he got tired of it and not enough people were coming. So he told me, I'm quitting. I put out a fleece this morning. He put it out in July. The height of the rainy season in Florida. Guess what his fleece was? If it rains this morning, you don't want me to teach anymore. And sure enough, it rained. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. He wanted to quit. And if you want something bad enough, you'll try to 
get God to will it. So that He will will what you want. So you'll get what you want instead of what He wills. That's why the Bible said when you pray, pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Your Lordship. Your will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. In this earth first before this world. And thy kingdom, not the kingdom when he comes to rule and reign with the rod of iron, but when we bow to him and make him the Lord of our life. Your kingdom come in me. Lord, reign in me. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Is God reigning? Oh, but I say come tie my bow tie. It doesn't matter if God isn't reigning. Did you know if God isn't reigning, then, then it won't be out of love and edification for the church. It'll be out of and glorification of God. All that gift will be for is to bring attention to yourself and your spiritual status. And that's ego and pride. And God resists what? The proud. He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due season. What is due season? When I think I'm ready? No, when he knows you're ready. And some of us won't stay humble long enough to be for God to really use us much more because it just is going to feed that pride that isn't resisted and rejected. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When a man says, Behold, I stand, even if it's because he has gifts and he's spirit-filled and he's highly, biblically astute and educated, he better take heed. That's the next, the next destructive event that's going to occur in the life of a Christian or a Christian leader. Saul, when you were little, in your own eyes, I made you a king over Israel. But now your kingdom is stripped from you and given to another. Now you don't listen to me anymore. You don't listen to the prophets anymore. You go do your own thing. And listen, we're Pentecostal. We can be honest. There's a lot of Pentecostals are not under any kind of pastoral covering. They get up in the morning. They're led of the Spirit. I'm going to go where the Spirit leads me. They're just like wandering sheep. Wandering around. There's no one to put them in check. Well, God told me to do this. God led me to do that. Lady in Plant City considered herself a prophetess, and so did a lot of people that followed her because of her presentation of her spirituality. She said, God led me to leave my husband. Flag. No, he didn't. He couldn't violate his word. God led me to leave him and marry this man who would be an asset to the ministry. My husband is holding me back from the worldwide ministry that God has called me to. No. It's not biblical. My daddy was a friend of that man. She left him, told everybody it was the will of God, and because she prophesied over people, they didn't question her. Because as long as you're giving me what I want, I don't care how you live your life. I don't care if you're following the the rules of Scripture. You better care. That's what opens up the door for that, the enemy in our life. 
they began to evangelize and people were coming and standing in line to get hands laid on them and prophecies given over them. They didn't know the Word of God or they would have never stood in that line. They would have disqualified her. God doesn't qualify that. And if she's in error, if the blind lead the blind, six months into that unauthorized marriage, it went sour. It went south. He became violent with her. She left him. Repented, wanted to go back to her husband. And he wouldn't let her go. He came after her. With a gun. Her son tried to defend her when he came in. He shot through her son's hand. Shooting at her and he killed her dead. He got on Highway 301, not far from the Hillsborough River. Listen, we know a few things because we've seen a few things. I'm not interested in somebody's book that a professor that sat in an office in a Bible college wrote. I'm interested in somebody in the trenches like Paul, somebody like David that's been down that road, been deceived, come back to God and been restored. I want to know how to get out of the valley. I want to know how to not be deceived. I want to know how to be restored. I want somebody to tell me the truth on Sunday morning. I don't want sugar-coated gospel. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. This gets serious. The highway patrol and the sheriff's department pulled him over near the Hillsboro State Park, headed down Highway 301, and he took the gun that he killed her with, and he killed himself because he was a false prophet, and he deceived her, and she was deceived because she considered herself a prophetess. And if you're a prophet and a prophetess, why do you need a pastor? So you won't be deceived. Why do you need to sit in Bible study? You're prophesying over everybody so you won't mess up. Some of the hardest people for me to minister to is the people that will not humble themselves and say, I need that. There are people that come to church here trying to get a word for everybody in the church and they're missing the word for themselves. They're always looking over their shoulder when something is preached. And I know what's coming, regardless of how, what a spiritual front they may put up. Shipwreck is coming. I need the Word. His Word is a lamp to my feet. The anointing don't take the place of the Word. Come on, I said the anointing does not take the place of the Word in my life. It's a lamp to my... The anointing isn't the lamp. The Word is the lamp. The anointing isn't the light. The Word is the light to my pathway. I need a lamp for my feet. I can get, I can go off the rails without it. Can you say man? But if the word is working in me and I'm submitting to the lordship of Jesus, his word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my pathway. I can see every, every bridge that's out. I can see every device of the enemy. We're not ignorant of his devices because the word illuminates them and shows it to us. Hallelujah. 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 Glory be to God. Well, I've got to read this scripture. We can't even share Thanksgiving with Jonah. You think we ought to do that next week?
If you let me get off this track and get onto that track, that means we've got to go down that track. And we're so far down this track, I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to save that. How many believe that's a good message, having Thanksgiving with Jonah? It is a good message. It'll help us to come through the darkest times of our life. And we need it. But right now we need something else this morning. We need to get rid of the gullibility in the Pentecostal charismatic movement. We're too gullible. We buy the blessed wallets. One, one evangelist was selling fluorescent. Has anybody, any Star Wars people ever enjoyed the Star Wars science fiction stuff? There's one right there. There's one back here if you don't believe it. There's a picture of me and him, and I have a Wookiee with sunglasses on. And I went and got my sunglasses for work day. And I don't know how it happened, but I stood beside Doug, who had Darth Vader on him. I don't know what that says about him, but anyway. Who's your daddy? Anyway. Oh, no, it's I'm your daddy. Okay. (laughs) He's standing beside me, and I look like a hobbit. I look like a dwarf. I don't know how the camera angle, but I should have stood on a stool. But I guess it's, you know what that is? The Lord keeping me humble. I preach under such anointing, I feel like I'm ten foot tall. And in Jesus, I am. And in Jesus, you are too. God wants you to be in the know today. God wants me to be in the know today. God wants us to, even if, even, and even if an angel, even if an angel, everybody say an angel, even if an angel comes. See, we're looking for the guy in the red jumpsuit with the pitchfork and the forked tail. We're always looking for the devil as he truly is, and he's not in a red jumpsuit. Do you know what he is? He's a fallen angel. And his name before he fell and after he fell was Lucifer. And the only thing that I've heard called Lucifer is a pit bull up in, El, uh, up in Chicago. There's a pit bull named Lucifer. Nobody names their kids Lucifer. I mean, they might mean mean is the devil, but they're not the devil. But Lucifer originally wasn't a bad name it was a great name and a good name because satan before he became this fallen angel was a high ranking archangel in heaven he was that angel that ministered among the coals that are in the very presence of god himself but he was lifted up by reason of his beauty and said i will be like the most high If you're getting spiritual gifts so people will respect you and hold you in high esteem, be careful. Be careful. If all you want is men's applause and someone to qualify you as spiritual, honey, if you want to be spiritual, it begins by letting this mind. Can I put this in context? Will you give me time to do that? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord, who though he thought it not robbery, to let this mind, this mindset, this mindset, this mindset, this mindset. I want to be a big shot spiritually. That is not his mindset. That is not the mind of Christ. I don't want to be just a preacher and a servant of God. I want to be a high-ranking official within my denomination. 
I want to be hot stuff on Sunday. Spiritually. I meet people, their whole goal is for people to respect them as the greatest of the great. The mightiest of the mighty. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ the Lord. Model Him and let Him be your model. Who though He thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, He humbled Himself and took on Himself the form of a servant and became obedient even to the death of the cross. Therefore, what did it all start with? All of this authority that he had and holds today in heaven and earth and beneath the earth. What did it start with? Humility. Humility. It's, it's hard to find. Pastor of a church of 10,000 at one time was invited to come and talk with a pastor of 20,000. This guy said when I went in his office, he was sitting at this big, huge desk, and, and he had his feet propped up on a chair, his arms crossed, and there was three ministers with him, and said, what do you boys want to know? In other words, I'm the man. You got 10,000 in your church, I got 20,000 in mine. So you listen up, and I can tell you how to get it done. And he said, It just turned me off because I thought maybe the leader of this many people and the influence of this many people would be more Christ like. Not just someone who was a, an innovator and a motivator, but someone that was truly following the model of Jesus Christ. It was disappointing. Caused him to be disillusioned with so many and to take an inventory of himself. The lady that used to in the beginning that led the praises of Hillsong. Does anybody know her name? She started as the lead singer of Hillsong. Darlene Sheck. They interviewed her and she said, you know, the biggest danger in going all over the world and singing is that I will begin to not worship, but sing as if I'm worshiping. Because it, it's expected of me to raise my hands and raise my voice and, and try to lead worship that way without personally losing because of the repetition of just doing it because we got to go there for that concert, here for this concert, there for that concert. And she said, I'm so afraid that I will lose my personal worship of God while leading the worship with all the lights and the fog and everything on me. And I thought, good. That's good that she feels that. I hope she held that. I hope she holds that. I understand she had a physical problem and needed healing. You can't get it standing on a mountaintop declaring your spirituality. You get it when you humble yourself and put all your trust in Jesus. Can you say amen? Let me finish that and we will finish today. How many believe we ought to have the mind of Christ? Amen. If we're going to model Christ, we've got to have the mind of Christ. 
And we're called to model Him. Not being a Lord over God's servants because of your position spiritually, but being an example to the flock. Amen. I want more than anything to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And if I don't follow Jesus, then for heaven's sakes, don't follow me no further. Listen carefully. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ the Lord, who though he thought it not robbery, to be called equal with God. He humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant, and was obedient even to the death of the cross. Therefore, 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 because of that attitude... That mindset, God hath highly exalted him. And here's the authority because he's under authority. Can you say amen? And given him a name which is above every name that's named. In, of things in heaven, there's not an angel that won't bow to the name of Jesus. In the earth, there's a lot of people say they won't, but a day's coming when they will. Make no mistake about it, every tongue. Hallelujah. Oh, in hell, there's no unbelievers. There's unbelieving people that went to hell, but there's no unbelievers in hell in Jesus Christ. There's not a devil that doesn't believe. In fact, James said, the devils, thou believest there's one God, thou doest well. The devils know it's the truth. They believe it and they tremble. Amen. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God has given him a name because he humbled himself and was obedient unto the death of the cross. Above every name that is named, <laughs> that every tongue would confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. And he said, Behold, I've given him all authority. Because of that, I've given him all authority. Who's going to be the judge? Is God going to sit on his throne and judge? No, Jesus is going to judge. When John saw him, his hair was as wool. Can his eyes were as a flame of fire. Can you say, man, he was clothed with a fine linen down to the floor. He had a golden girdle. Amen. Listen to me very carefully. All judgment, he said, not only all power over heaven and earth is given him, but all judgment is given him. And it all began not trying to climb up the corporate spiritual ladder. It all began with bowing before the Father and saying, when the heat was on and the pressure was on, not my will, but thine be done. That took him to the cross, that held him on the cross. That in love for the Father and love for you and me. Can you say, man, aren't you glad he humbled himself? Aren't you glad he went to the cross? Let this mind be in you. So when anyone comes to this church or I meet them out, I, I, I minister to, I go out in ministry situations with sometimes upwards of 60 pastors. It's a tough crowd. It is a tough crowd. It's tough because everybody knows everything there is to know. 
little girl asked her mama, how many closings is this? I usually close on the fifth or sixth. Somebody said this must be the sixth. She asked her mama, mama, we're studying redemption in our Sunday school class. And I've been given some scriptures. And, and, and can you tell me in a nutshell what redemption really means? And she said, go ask your daddy. He's the pastor. She said, I don't want to know that much. (laughs) Come on, brother. Sometimes it's hard to preach to preachers. Appreciate the one preacher that had us lighten up a little bit when it was so heavy in the room. You'd think it would be light in the room with all those preachers. It's not always the case. But he said, he said I'll be glad when, when all pro-pastors, is part of the organization I affiliate with, to meet with ministers and pray with them. <laughs> Amen. He said, I'll be glad when we get international. We're already in Africa, and they're starting a chapter in Germany. He said, I'll, I can't wait to go to Germany because I've always wanted to minister to German shepherds. I just, you know, pastors. You're my favorite fan. It takes him a minute to get it, but when he gets it, he gets it good. I want people that are so understanding of how authority works that before you try to do anything else, you want to develop in a humble, submissive relationship to your Lord and your Master, Jesus Christ. Because all Authority that comes from God is based on being under the authority of His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And no matter how many principles of victory you've been given to build your faith to resist the enemy or have authority over Him, it begins with your total surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. So, he says, give thanks in all things. And our flesh says, I'll give thanks when it gets better. I'll give thanks when the answer comes. I'll give thanks when I've got something to be thankful for. Darling, you've got everything to be thankful for. Amen. Oh, but Brother Bill, you don't understand what they did to me. What he did for you needs to be greater than what they did to you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And when it does, you'll have a praise for him in spite of what they do. And he'll prepare you a table in the presence of your enemies. Can you say amen? (laughs) And if you really want to get their goat, live large in Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't let them steal your joy. Don't let them take your praise. Don't let them get your song. Hallelujah. Praise God. Woo! I feel the anointing on that. If you come back next week, 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. If you come back next week, if you come back next week, we're going to try our best to have Thanksgiving with Jonah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And get ready for not just Thanksgiving Day, but living a life of Thanksgiving every single day of our life. Praise God. I can't wait to preach that message. I studied it this morning and last night. And it's a good one. But this wasn't bad. Amen. Because we need this right now or God wouldn't have inspired it. Somebody in this room is not going to be gullible anymore. When, when the lady asked Dad for 50 bucks, little light came on. Ding, 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 ding. First it was free. Now it's $10. Now the rest of the prophecy is going to cost you $50. I said, Dad, throw the whole thing out the window and get in the Bible. Turn off the TV. Turn the channel for heaven's sakes. Get in the Word of God. Better yet, let the Word of God get in you. God's got a lot to say to you right here. Hallelujah. And He's going to back this up. Amen. He don't back anybody up just because they say, Thus saith the Lord, unless thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Now on a Thanksgiving note as we, as we close, how many would dare to let Jesus be the Lord over your life and humble yourself under His authority enough to thank Him in your present circumstance? So that he can actually change your present circumstance. <laughs> because you ascribe to him the power and the authority and the faithfulness to do it by thanking him before the fact. Amen. Here's what I want you to say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That comes from halo, praise ye, and jah. In the Old Covenant, you'll see Alleluia. New Testament, Hallelujah. Amen. It means praise ye the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, it doesn't matter if somebody rear-ended you, tore up your brand new car. From the, you, did you survive? I'm asking you, did you survive? Amen. I came into a Circle K and said, we love to wait on you. You're always so patient and so kind. And I said, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Because you see, I'm moving into a day when they're going to ask for the reason of the hope that's in me. And I can tell them it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Hallelujah. Because I'm not always patient. I don't always feel kind. But when I bow to my Lord, hallelujah, He helps me with that. Glory to God. Amen. Lord, we love you so much today. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the storm, look around you. Am I not with you? Is there not a light in the darkness? Have I ever forsaken my covenant children, saith the Lord? Yea, <laughs> yea, yea, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands that I forget you not. Yea, thank me in the midst of the storm. Thank me in the darkest night and look around and see my blessing is with you and upon you. For I will never leave you. I will never, no, never forsake you, saith God. Hallelujah.